Well, good morning. It's great to see each and every one of you here on site, here in the auditorium today. And a shout out welcome to all of you who've also joined us online. How many people are ready for God's word? Come on, are you ready for God's word? Yeah. Well, we're in a sermon series for the summer. We're calling it Uncomfortable. And today, today's message, I want to take a couple of moments today to talk to you about uncomfortable fellowship. And so I want you to get your Bible out and turn with me to Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 42 down to verse 47 of Acts chapter 2. And I want to talk to you today about an ancient Greek word that's been translated fellowship in the Bible. It's the Greek word koinonia. Can we say that word together? Koinonia. One, two, three. Koinonia. It's found for the very first time in Acts chapter 2, and it's mentioned over 20 times in the New Testament. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about two things about koinonia. First of all, I want to talk to you about what actually is koinonia. And I want you to write this in your notes, that koinonia is simply this, doing life together. It's a group of people on a journey to God with God, doing life together. It's way more than hanging out together. It's way more than drinking iced tea and, and, and having chips or having a Starbucks coffee and a muffin together. It's way more than just hanging out. It's doing life together. It's on a journey with God. And it's partnering together. It's, it's doing life together. It's growing together. Because you see, God has created you for community. You were fashioned for fellowship. You were formed to be in a family. God has not made us to be disconnected. God has created us to be connected. And, and we're going to learn today that church is way more than a place that you go to. Church is actually a family that you belong to. Last Sunday, we talked about believing. And today, we're talking about belonging. So koinonia is people on a journey doing life together. Well, I want to give you today 10 things that I saw in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, down to verse 47, about together. And I want you to, to write these in your notes. The first thing, number one, growing together. You see, when people are in fellowship together, in koinonia together, they're spiritually growing together. In Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. There's the Greek word koinonia. They were growing in God. And when you come on Sundays and you take in God's word, you're growing in God together. When you're in your connect group during the week, you are growing spiritually together. Look at Acts 5.42, day after day, in the temple courts... And from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. The early church came to the temple, and then they met in homes. When you're here today, it's like you're coming to the temple. We're having our corporate worship time together. Isn't that great to be here today? Anybody excited to be here today? I'm excited to be here today with you. This is our temple worship. And when you meet in your connect group, it's meeting in a home. And the first thing we discover is that they were growing together. Then there's number two, eating together. Anybody like eating? My hand's going up. The Bible says in Acts 2.42, they were breaking bread. I mean, they got together and they broke bread together. In Acts 2.46, they broke bread in their homes and they ate together. And maybe the breaking of bread for you is when you gather in your home, in your connect group, you have tea and toast, or you have chips and pop, or you're having spaghetti, or you're having a meal. But all I know is when you're eating together, and you know this is true, you have great conversations together. 
Lots is talked about over food. And it's kind of like you're eating food, breaking bread together, eating together, you're bonding together, and you're having good conversation. Number one, growing together. Number two, eating together. And number three, praying together. The early church prayed together. They came to the temple and prayed. They met in their homes and they prayed. And when you meet them, you pray through their crisis. There's something about when you're walking through a trial that a group of people are praying you through your crisis. When you're struggling in your marriage, someone's praying with you through that crisis. When you've got disease in your body, someone's praying you through that disease and believing God for the miracle. The early church knew what it meant to, to pray together. Number one, growing together. Number two, eating together. Number three, praying together. Write this in your notes. Number four, receiving together. They receive from God in the temple. And they received from God in their homes. The Bible says in verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Would it be powerful today if right here in this auditorium, Jesus showed up and healed sick bodies? Would it be great this morning if Jesus showed up and opened up a deaf ear? Wouldn't it be great this morning if someone who was crippled in legs got up and began to walk? Wouldn't it be exciting if somebody who's watching online today that's got cancer in their body, that Jesus shrinks up that tumor and heals them in the name of the Lord? The early church received the supernatural from God. How many people believe Jesus can still do the miraculous in 2020? How many people believe that Jesus can do the miraculous right here, right now in this place? You might be in a hospital right now watching the service. May Jesus heal you. You might be home right now and you need a healing in your body. May Jesus heal you. You might be sitting here right today and you need a miracle from God, whatever it is. Jesus is in the house and he wants to do the supernatural. Come on, Woodville, put your hands together and celebrate a God who can still do the supernatural. Number one, they were growing together. Two, eating together. Three, praying together. Four, receiving together. And number five, envisioning together. They were all moving in the same direction. They were all seeking God's preferred future for them. In Acts 2.44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They were starving for his story. And his story creates his history in our lives. In Acts 4.32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. I'm glad that for 20 years, Evelyn and I have been leading a church that has a common vision. We're all about reaching the next generation. We're all about reaching the unchurched. We are not content to sit back till everyone in the city of Ottawa knows Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. We don't want to be a church that's an audience. We want to be an army for God. We don't want to sit, soak, and get sour. We want to stand and serve and give out and believe God for the city of Ottawa. I believe the best days for this city and this church and the nation of Canada are the days ahead. God is up to something. The COVID crisis is not going to stop what God wants to do. This is a little hiccup. This is a little mountain. But God can cast the mountain into the sea. God's got a story for this church. He's got a preferred future. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate our Lord God Almighty. They were growing together, eating together, praying together, receiving together, envisioning together. Then number six, write this in your notes. They were serving together. The early church was doing ministry together. They were doing ministry together. Acts 2.45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I'll tell you what ministry is. Finding a need and filling the need. 
discovering the need and meeting the need. The need might be someone needs you to pray for them. We'll pray for them. The need might be someone needs you to listen to them. Then listen to them. The early church was doing life together, serving together, and ministering together. Church, we don't believe that there's only one who ministers in this church. You might have eight pastors, but every one of you are ministers, and God wants to use you. May the 2,000 people in this church rise up and be used of God. God has a ministry for you. God wants to use you. He wants to use you in ways that he doesn't use me. But if you have a gift that you're not using, an unused gift equals an unmet need. May the church rise up. May the spiritual gifts be released. May the pastors step back and may the church rise up and move out and be used of God just like the early church. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate our Lord. And then number seven, they were worshiping together. I must confess to you, it's hard to show up with a mask on. I'm glad they let me stand on the platform now. And the city lets me stand on the platform with no mask. I'm 30 feet away from anybody. But when I step off the platform, my mask goes back on. And it was hard not to sing. But you know, and there's something I've started to do on Sunday. When Pastor Brad's on the screen leading, I'm humming the songs. Can we have a little three-part harmony of humming this morning? May the bass hum in the bass. <laughs> May the tenor hum and tenor. May the soprano hum and soprano. Maybe there's a second soprano in the house. Come on, people. We may not be able to sing, but we can still worship. Amen. You've come to worship God. There's a presence of God in this place. There's something about God's people coming together, which invites the presence of God. God is in the house this morning. We may not be able to sing, but we are worshiping together. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate the Lord today. And then there's number eight, having fun together. Have you ever met some Christians? It looks like they've been, they've been, they've been sucking on some pickle juice or they've been sucking on a sour lemon. How many people know Christians ought to be the happiest people on the planet, amen? How many people know the joy of the Lord is our strength? The early church wasn't sour. The early church was happy. The early church, it says in verse 46, with glad and sincere hearts, they were happy, happy, happy. Sincere means they were real and authentic. They didn't have a plastic smile on. They had a real, authentic smile. They were real people on a real journey, serving a real God. They were happy to be alive, and I'm happy to be with you today. And the joy of the Lord is my strength, and Jesus is alive, and you're a happy group of people. And I think the church needs to have fun because Sunday is fun day. Anybody with me today, friends? Sunday is fun day. And so I want you to write number nine in your notes. They're being blessed together. Number nine, being blessed together. It tells us they enjoyed the favor of all the people. I want you to walk under the blessing of God. I want you to live under the favor of God. The early church lived under the favor and the blessing of God. I want you to live under the favor and the blessing of God. But then there's number 10. They were winning souls together. They were reaching the lost. They were sharing their faith. They were not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In verse 47, the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Every day, at least one person got saved. Hallelujah. Now, I want to tell you, the church began with 120 in an upper room. 
And then in Acts chapter two, Peter gets up and preaches and 3,000 get saved. So now the church is 3,120, not a bad sermon, not a bad move of God when 3,000 people get saved, amen. Then the Bible says in Acts 2, 47, they were daily getting saved. And then in chapter four, it tells us the church grew to over 5,000 men, Acts four, verse four, where there's men, there's ladies, and where there's men and ladies, there's kids. It's probably about 15,000 people. Acts 5.14, it says the church moved to more and more, which means that God was adding to the church. And then Acts 5.28, they filled Jerusalem with their teaching. And then in Acts 6 verse 1, it moved to multiplication. Right down Acts 6 verse 7, it then experienced rapid growth. It went from addition to multiplication to rapid growth. I, I happen to believe, I happen to believe that the devil wants to use coronavirus to hinder the growth of the church, the church in Canada, the church regardless of denomination, the church in North America, and the church around the world. But I'm sensing in the spirit that God's going to move the church from addition to multiplication to rapid growth. I happen to believe in my spirit the best days for God's church are the days ahead. The Bible says in Acts 21 verse 20 that the church was thousands and thousands of people. In Acts chapter 1, 25 years go by to Acts 21. Bible scholars say that Jerusalem, by the time you come to Acts 21, had 200,000 people living in Jerusalem. And when it says thousands and thousands were in the church, most Bible scholars believe that the church in Jerusalem had 100,000 believers in a city of 200,000. I thought about that. It'd be cool if 500,000 people in Ottawa knew Jesus, but I'm believing that every one of the 1 million people in the greater Ottawa area are serving Jesus Christ. The early church couldn't gather 100,000 in the temple at once. They had multiple services in the early church. We've got multiple services here. But they met in the temple, and then they met in their homes. And if it worked in the early church, it can, it shall, and it will work today. Somebody give a little clap offering of praise to the Lord God Almighty. A number of years back, this church embraced a connect group philosophy, small groups groups meeting in homes. We have currently between 60 and 70 connect groups. I'm believing for that number to go from 60 and 70 to 200 connect groups really quick because we need them really fast. I'm a part of a connect group. I'm part of a men's connect group and we would meet seven o'clock Wednesday morning in a restaurant. But even though we're now in the coronavirus season, we're still meeting Wednesday morning. We changed the time to 7.15. We're on Zoom, and we're having our coffee, and we're spending 45 minutes together. And I can't wait for Wednesday mornings. A number of my Connect Group guys come to the first service. And, and, and I tell you, each one takes a turn to share an inspirational word. We pray together. We, we, we challenge each other together. Someone gives us an inspiration together. We, we're doing life together. It's exciting. I can remember a few years back when one of the brothers in my connect group, his wife passed away. The connect group showed up to support him. I'll tell you, church, when you're going through difficulty, you need your connect group. When you're ready to move, who's going to move you? Your connect group. When you need someone to make meals for you because you 
You can't do it because you're going through something. Who's going to make you the meals? Your connect group. Who's going to pray with you daily when you're walking through your crisis? Your connect group. Who's going to come alongside you when you're walking through your trial? Your connect group. That's why the early church met in homes in Woodvale. We need a rapid explosion of connect groups. I'm praying that God will stir so many hearts in the second morning service sitting here and those that are watching online as he did in the first morning service. I believe God's going to stir hearts that you're going to open your home to host a connect group when we can start gathering back on site. And we're already talking now about re-engaging our connect groups. We'll do it right. We'll do it at the right time. And we'll make sure we follow all the guidelines that are laid out for us during the coronavirus. But we need a lot more people to open their home. We need hosting homes. We need leaders. And some of you right now, the Spirit of God is speaking to you to be a leader for a connect group, a facilitator for a connect group. Many of our connect groups are sermon aligned. There's a team of people right now that are making detailed notes on the sermon I'm preaching this morning, and they're going to create a discussion guide. They make me look so good. And they're going to put it on the website, and many of our connect groups are taking the discussion guide to go deeper in the sermon notes. You can facilitate that. If you want to facilitate or host a connect group, get a hold of Pastor Marvin this week. We're going to start the training, and we're going to get you ready to lead and host a connect group. And if you're not in a connect group, Go to our website, go on the word about us and click on the word connect and you'll see the 60 and 70 current connect groups. Some are all guys, some are all ladies, some are mixed male and female. Many of them are intergenerational. They're all across the city of Ottawa. There is a connect group probably within two miles of where you live. You got to get into a connect group because koinonia is doing spiritual life together. This is not an announcement. This is biblical teaching. And this church will go to the next level. So if the day comes that we got to close the doors of the church for whatever reason, and we only can only meet in homes, the church is still alive and well. Somebody say amen. If I had a dollar for people who have said to me during the corona season, I wish I was in a connect group, pastor. And I said, stop wishing. You can get in one right now because they're still meeting on Zoom. And soon they're going to start meeting in person, following all the guidelines. And we can't wait. I'm just giving you the Bible teaching. Somebody risk a little amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah, or an ouch this morning. I didn't hear any ouches. So I think it's a praise the Lord, hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate our Lord God. Amen. I want to very quickly take you to number two, and I just need a couple of minutes. Why do all of us need biblical koinonia? Why do all of us need biblical koinonia? And I want to leave you with four biblical metaphors of the church. Not, not my illustrations, God's illustrations. Four biblical metaphors. The first one, write this in your notes. It's like being built into a building. It's like being built into a spiritual house. And we're going to learn this morning that God compares his church to a building, to a spiritual house. Ephesians 2.20, down to verse 22, built on the foundation of the apostles, prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Look at verse 21. In him, the whole building is joined together. One translation says welded together. I love that. Welded together. The whole building is welded together. And rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Let me read 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5. As you come to him, the living stone. 
How many people are glad Jesus isn't dead, but he's alive, amen? He's the chief cornerstone, he's alive. Rejected by humans, chosen by God, precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Before you came to Christ, you were dead to your sins. You come to Christ, you are alive in Christ. And you're being built into a spiritual house or to a spiritual building to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So God compares his church to a building. It was 2006, we knocked down the old auditorium. It sat about 450 people. We built this beautiful auditorium that seats 2,000. And for one year, we worshiped in the ministry center, four services, overflow room, one service at night. It was a long, fun day. I had a hard hat helmet and work boots. And every day I walked into this building and I saw them building it. And I saw the beams and I saw them pick up beams and connect beams to one another. And I learned that the house, this building can only be as is when the beams are connected to one another. You know, I'm taking you on a journey. So write this in your notes. In a building, a disconnected frame has no support, has no support. If you're not in a connect group, who's going to pray you through your crisis? When you're walking through something, who's going to journey with you through something? Everybody needs someone. You were created for community. You were fashioned for fellowship. Church is more than a place that you go to. It's a family that you belong to. A church gets larger and must get smaller. Ashley and Mike, I didn't pay them to say what they said. I didn't write the script for them. They said it from their hearts and they said it well. As a church gets larger, it's got to get smaller. You've got to get into a connect group. It is your support. But then there's number two. He compares the church now to a body. It's like being joined into a body. We're called the body of Christ. And Jesus is the head. It's like being joined into a body. Look at Ephesians 4.25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to your neighbor. For all members of one body. I belong to you. You belong to me. We are family. You're my brother, sir. You're my sister, ma'am. We are family. I need you. You need me. And we need each other. Romans 12, 4 and 5. For just as each of us have one body with many members, these members don't all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Colossians 2, 19. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. They've lost connection with the head. Now I want you to write this in your notes and I'll explain it in a body. In a body, a disconnected part dies. My father comes from a family of 10 kids. Most of them have passed away in heaven. My dad's oldest brother was a pastor for many years. And as a young boy, we'd go to his house and my uncle John would, would, would show me his hand and it was his left hand and his baby finger had lost half the finger. And he, he, he'd tell me the story every time as a young boy chopping wood, you know, the story had the hand there, the ax took it off and they didn't get it. So and on in time. And the truth is a detached part of the finger. When the blood stops flowing, the life goes out. If you don't get it sewn on quick enough, it's not going to make it. Did you know that there's many Christians? who choose to be disconnected, that are spiritually shriveling up and just existing. I don't want you to exist. I want you to thrive. God never made you to be disconnected. He made you to be connected. 
Even the Lone Ranger, if you remember the Lone Ranger, he needed Tonto. We need one another. We need to be connected. And then there's number three. It's like being attached to a vine. Being attached to a vine. Listen to John 15, 4 and 5. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither you can bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, Jesus said. You're the branches. I love this. If you remain in me, I in you, you will bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Church, you can't do anything without Jesus. We need Jesus. This church will only go forward with Jesus. And he teaches us that the body is like a vine. Write this in your notes. In a plant or, or in, 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 in a vine, a disconnected branch cannot bear fruit. You've got to be connected. If we want to bear fruit, we've got to be connected. The last metaphor is my favorite, and I'll leave you with this one. It's like being born or adopted into a family. You're stuck with me, and I'm stuck with you. We are family. I need you. You need me. We need each other. If I'm not me, who's going to be me? If you're not you, who's going to be you? You be you, and I'll be me. And somebody say amen. Praise the Lord. We got to be who we are. First Peter 1 Peter 1.23, you've been born again. And if you're sitting here today or you're watching online, you've never asked Jesus in your life. In just a couple of moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity to accept Christ. Romans 8.15, the spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves. We sung that this morning so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we can cry, Abba, Father, we've been born again. We've been adopted into the family of God. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful for the family of God. Some of you have come from another country and you're not near your biological family, but you got the family of God. Some of you've come from the most dysfunctional family around, but you've got the family of God. Anybody this morning, anybody this morning grateful for the family, for the family. Come on, anybody grateful for the family of God. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for the family of God. We're doing life together. I've walked many of you through life crisis. We're doing life together and we're stronger because we've got through it. I need you. You need me and we need each other. Let me quickly tell you 1 Timothy 3.15 because in 1 Timothy 3.15, he talks to us about the church being a family. Paul said, if I'm delayed, you'll know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household or God's family. Paul calls the church a family. Romans 15, 6 and 7, so that with one mind, one voice, glorify God, Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he calls us to accept one another in verse 7. Accept one another doesn't mean approve of what everyone does. Approve is about what you do, but acceptance is about who you are. We're all uniquely different, but God calls us to accept one another. Most of you can quote John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. But here's my question. Can you quote 1 John 3, 16? 1 John 3, 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. and We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Friends, that verse is key because true Biblical koinonia is our commitment to God is displayed in our commitment to one another. If we're committed to God, we'll be committed to one another. And then lastly, 2 Corinthians 8, 5, Paul said they exceeded our expectations. 
They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. They said, God, I'm yours. I'm committed to you. And then we said, they said, we're committed to one another. Write this in your notes. In a family, a disconnected member feels unloved and unwanted. I want Woodville to be a place that everybody feels loved and welcomed and accepted. Come just as you are and have an encounter with Jesus. Because one encounter with Jesus can change your life forever. Can anybody give a little clap offering of praise to the Lord? Amen. I want you to stand. Please stand with me early this morning. I felt the Lord prompt me so strongly to do something. I felt the Lord say to me very clearly that I need to declare Psalm 91 over this church. My wife Evelyn and I have prayed Psalm 91 for years. For years. When she walked through cancer, we prayed Psalm 91. And honey, am I okay to share? It's not cancer, folks. But two and a half weeks ago, my wife went pretty much deaf in one ear. And she lost about 90 to 95% of the hearing in her one ear. Just woke up. It's suddenly gone. We thought it was allergies. And we walked through the ear, nose, and throat specialists. And they just said it's sudden hearing loss. And she went three times last week to the civic hospital. And they injected something into her ear. But I'll tell you what we're praying today. Is that King Jesus shows up and opens up that deaf ear right now in the name of Jesus. Babe, come on up and stand with me. You're in my bubble. Come on up. <laughs> Would you honor this lady? I love her so much. And honey, we prayed Psalm 91 over our children, over our family. And fear is gripping many people. There's some of you today watching online or even standing here. You're fearful of a second wave. I, I tell you, I pray fear would break in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Stop watching all the news and start reading the Word of God. Stop fixing your eyes on what's going on around the world and lift up your eyes unto Jesus. So can I declare Psalm 91 over you? If you want to lift your hands, lift your hands right now. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the failure snare, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you, amen. 
you only observe what your eyes see in the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge, you make the most high your dwelling. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so you not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion, on the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent because he loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That is the word of the living God. So listen, you're watching online. You're standing here in the auditorium. Speak Psalm 91 over your household every morning. Live in the word. We're going to get through this. I, I want you to pray with me. We're going to pray healing right now in Jesus' name. Father God, I pray for my dear wife in the name of Jesus. Deaf ear be open right now in the name of Jesus. I command this ear to open up in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of the Lord, a miracle would happen in the house right now in Jesus' name. That God, that you would heal her. Heal her. Jesus, you, you opened deaf ears in the, in the early church. So I'm praying right now that we'd have a supernatural sign of the miraculous working power of the living God. That you would heal my wife right now in the name of Jesus, we pray. And Father Evelyn, I pray that fear would be released from the house, that we would not walk yes. in fear, but we would live in faith. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus that, that everyone watching online, everyone standing in this auditorium, we're, we're, we're going to walk wisely, God, but we're going to walk by faith. And I pray fear would be broken in the name of Jesus. Everybody shouted, amen. Come on, put your hands together. Come on. Just stay standing. Now, church, we're going to be wise in the coronavirus, and you're all wearing a mask. And when I step off the platform, I'll put on my mask, and we want, to, we want to do it right. And we've got this place so well sanitized, but we also don't want you to walk in fear. Did you hear me this morning? I don't want you walking in fear. And I'm seeing fear gripping minds, and fear is a spirit. Wisdom is good and godly, but fear is a spiritual thing that needs to be broken. So we're not going to walk in fear. We're going to walk in faith. So I want you to pray and speak Psalm 91 over your homes. All right? I want you to bow your heads. In the final moments, you're standing here, you're watching online, you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life. I want to lead you to Jesus this morning. If today was the day you died and you don't know if you're going to heaven, I want you to know that you're going to heaven. And if you've never asked Christ in your life, I want you to join me in this prayer. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I've decided to follow you. I repent of my sin. And today I say yes to Jesus. I receive you in my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate our Lord. Celebrate our Lord. If you prayed that prayer, you made the best decision of your life. Reach out to us. We're going to help you in your new faith journey. And uh, I just want to declare that the best days for God's church are the days ahead. And we're going to pray that God would supernaturally bring more koinonia 
And so the Lord's going to stir some hearts. Pastor Marvin, your inbox is going to be loaded with voice messages and emails. There's going to be so many people saying, I'm going to open my home, right time. When we get through this, we're going to do that. I'd be open to facilitating. Just, Just train me. And I want you to get into a connect group, do life together. You've got to do it. It's for your benefit, and it'll change your life. So thank you for listening. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for joining us this morning, whether on site or online. It was great to have you with us. And I hope you enjoyed the worship. We're challenged by the sermon. Be sure to join us next Sunday at 9 or 11 with another message in the Unfamiliar series with Pastor Mark. And be sure to register in advance online on our website. We really appreciate that. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. God bless you.